Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The principle of darkness, if you will allow the possible misappropriation of the word principle, is to reveal that which is hidden. The brand of pitch that sweeps across the surface of the dead world is the shallowest of the varieties of darkness, and as such offers only the weakest of revelations. While the deepest of nights can, if only occasionally, be sufficient to see across leagues of lost dreams. The darkness of the subterranean world offers a nearly spotless window to peer through, to catch the shape of dreams, even as they die into and beyond sleep. But within the undercity of Undur, the darkness was a seamless invitation beyond light. Combined with the stinging silence, itself a revealer of hidden things, Undur was a solid memory of a universe once delighted by the cold darkness of unborn stars. It was the shadow of the world to come, from beyond the deadlight of slain suns. 
With each inhalation of darkness, my senses turned away from the solid world and reposed with curiously little hesitation within the places where darkness lives. As I passed into the narrow lanes of the Sable City, its citizens looked upon me with the quiet detachment of philosophers. They nodded to me, each in their turn, with muted smiles. There was no malice here, only friends to a different dream, abiding with the dignity of fallen kings, ruined and beautiful. I strolled to the edge of a fountain of smooth onyx and listened to the words of a sackcloth-clad poet. He extolled the virtues of dying into the night, and also wondered aloud about other strange things. He said, The dead eye of Luna burned white and blind by the sun. Man thinks of the face of the moon, and all the while your remaining eye still turned to darkness away from the world spies the other side of the soul. When, good mother, will you look again upon the world? I assumed he was referring to the great darkness. I had once heard a story claiming the dark side of the moon once faced the earth, and it was that very event which caused the aforementioned year-long darkness. But I didn't dwell long upon that portion of his poem, instead falling almost completely upon the word, Mother. Almost lost to the endless train of questions that tumbled from the utterance, I was eventually and mercifully returned to the darkness by the sight of others dressed as I was. Though the newcomers stood far taller than even my height, they carved through the drifting black crowds with no small appearance of purpose. They were looking for me, naturally. Here the darkness was law, and as such the powers of the dead world were weak which allowed me to move more quickly than I was accustomed to. After I discarded the apparatus that obscured my head, I raced back beyond the black gardens, between statues hewn from cold anthracite, past sanctuaries for creatures lost to the lighted world, until I finally drew upon the legendary Knight's Orchard, whose trees were filled with the ripest, darkest fruits I had ever seen. Here was the real reason for my wanting to visit Undur. I quickly snatched a single fruit from the limb of a nearby tree. It was not entirely unlike an apple, save that it was dressed in the color of oblivion and possessed all the heft of a whisper. I placed the black apple in my pocket and prepared to take my leave of the wonderful city. Before I could make good my escape, dark shapes discovered me. Initially they kept their distance, as they knew what I was capable of. Or at least, they knew what I had done to their kinsmen. Above me, nodding and coiling their bodies into terrible shapes, were strange, eel-like creatures, apparently obedient to the gathering shades that sought to end my role within the shepherd's game. Unlike the other creatures of Undur, these beings were bone white, as they expressed their fondness for the darkness by means of colorless flesh and eyeless faces. After the Undurians had gathered in sufficient numbers to quell their fear of me, they began to drift cautiously towards me. While their numbers were impressive, they would prove woefully inadequate to their purpose. Our battle became a game of darkness, a test of our respective affiliations to pitch. 
while my body was comprised of only flesh and blood, whereas the Endurians partook almost exclusively of shadow. My deeds courted a blackness that rivaled any shade that had ever lived beneath the earth. My contest with Tom Hush had taught me something of the fickle nature of shadows, how they might betray one master for another. So I whispered to the surrounding darkness about the fire and light I had delivered unto the spaces beneath Lastragon, how I had filled the hollow earth with a sun, and that I might choose to do so again, here. The darkness came to me like a lost dog, circling me, whispering its allegiance. At my command, the last breath of pitch was denied the Andorians' heaving lungs. Within seconds, my pursuers began to fall away like the fading memories of childhood. Soon, I was left with the drifting eel things that haunted the high branches of the Black Orchard. But without masters to command them, they quickly departed. I traveled far and for days into the darkness of caves, hoping to find my way back to the surface of the world. But I was confronted only by fresh gloom. Perhaps it was my ninth day under the earth when I encountered a thin stream of light draining down into a wide stone chamber, signaling for the first time my nearness to the lighted world. However, no sooner had I begun my steep climb toward the source of the emaciated light when something gigantic detached itself from the tightened shadows of the chamber. Sane words were never meant to describe such a creature. Only the language of madness could do justice to the thing reaching toward me. The cave walls behind me exploded into stone shrapnel as an alien-esque extrusion struck out. The thing, appearing to be neither god nor animal, gathered darkness with each step, moving between visibility and oblivion. Its size, easily greater than any prosaic earthly creature of land or sea, failed to produce even the smallest sound. Its movement was betrayed only by the overabundance of its silence. My speed bested the creature's next swipe as I plunged into my own gathering of supplicant shadows. A split second after my deep dive, my sisters blazed a wet and glittering path across the monster's appendage, the fluids that followed as foreign as the creature itself. It wailed with such intensity the stones of the ceiling awoke from their abiding sleep and rained down around me. A world of teeth slammed shut inches from my face sounding remarkably like a giant aluminum bat hitting stone. Before the creature could raise its head beyond my reach, I sprang at its face, my sisters laughing with glee. The creature's flesh was an inconsistent tangle of competing textures, as if it had been stitched together from dozens of different species. Its eyes were traditional enough, however, and thankfully reposed in the customary places. My sisters liberated them from their sockets, the weight of the giant orbs and the accompanying optic fluids sending me to the ground with a crash. It was then I realized I wasn't locked in mortal combat with some dull-minded creature. It howled. Wretched thing, hustling or fashioned for hatchery for flies. Their tiny children will gnaw at you till your skin has nourished a swarm 
I saw no harm in engaging the creature in conversation. I have no intention of being sewn into a worm garden, so perhaps I should introduce you to another member of my family. His bite may rival your own creature. My father roared every bit as loudly as the creature, tracing an arc of fire and rage through the darkness so bright it sent shadows fleeing. The creature's head burst in a spray of gore and bone. Yet it didn't phase the beast. Unlike its eyes, its brain must have been more uniquely situated. Surprisingly, without benefit of a head, the monster took its turn within our burgeoning dialogue. You have a lovely little family, my lucky friend. I only wish I could work their metal as easily as I do flesh. But I can smell souls beneath their steely corpses. And while it's a little bit trickier than skin, I've been known to spin a soul or two into the tapestry of my webs from time to time. Regrettably, the creature's words camouflaged the advance of its gigantic stinger. I felt the monster's venom course through me as my heart pumped liquid fire into my every extremity. The stinger itself was more than adequate for tearing through my shoulder, almost severing my arm in the process. The force of the attack drove me from my place upon the creature's head and into the grasp of a massive embroidery of spun-together skins. By no means as placid as the silken works of a spider, the web of flesh came to life at my touch, whispering its welcome through hundreds of sewn-in mouths. The web of skin whispered to me, inviting me into its whimpering folds. Within moments I was trapped in its weave, snug and motionless. The lord of that tapestry, now taking no pains to remain hidden, gathered its labyrinthine body above me. It was a beautiful and horrible thing, made from stitched together nightmares as well as unrelated skins. It began to lower itself upon me as a number of head-like formations protruded from its giant body. At least this explained why my father's blow proved insufficient at killing the horror. I had the feeling that the creature had no immediate plans for me, which would allow the deep silence of the underground to mend my wounds. After a quick assessment of my situation, I allowed the creature's wicked and tentacled extremities to seize me. It spun a fine casing of liquid skin all around me, twirling me in the manner of a spider applying its webbing. The strange loquescent pre-skin congealed upon every rotation within the creature's grasp and I chuckled at the tickling touch of the trembling, lacy flesh. Finally, I was wrapped in a hearty veil of solidified skin, replete with tough, interwoven layers of muscle tissue that flexed against my body, enhancing the already strong grip the enclosure exercised upon me. I was, however, far from powerless, but that was my secret to keep. As I expected, the creature allowed for my head to project out from the flesh cocoon, permitting me to hear it gloat, an activity of which the creature was eager to partake. It smiled with half a dozen mouths, as it said, I see you have met my family, little morsel. I confess, they're not as shiny as yours, but they are a rather cozy bunch, don't you think? I certainly hope so. You'll be joining them very, very soon. First one, and then another of its little mouths would do the speaking, 
all with a singular, uninterrupted voice, as the others snarled and drooled. Before we get to that, though, there will be a bit of unpleasantness, I'm afraid. But I sure you understand. It isn't that your kind says something about broken eggs and homeless. But go ahead, little morsel. Plead for your life, as your kind just want to do. I have, on rare occasion, let a meal go on the basis of a compelling argument. I'm not without generosity, after all. I chose the last mouth to speak to as the focus of my reply. I would think with so many mouths, you'd have one better capable of lying. But perhaps to your disappointment, creature, I have no intention of begging. And yet, if you're in a generous mood, perhaps you'd be kind enough to answer some questions. Some of the mouths growled at the insult, others smiled at the appeal. It's a strange request, the creature said, amused. And I'm intrigued. I think I'll entertain this little ruse, this little distraction that you clearly think will help you escape. So, ask your questions, my little web to be. I look forward to seeing you as leaves. The web of flesh continued to constrict, trying to force the air from my lungs. Well, you certainly have enough limbs to pat yourself on the back. But my intention to escape is hardly a deduction worthy of such a self-congratulation. I would escape even now, if I chose to. But I'd rather know your story, if I may. Where do you come from, creature? Ah, I see. You wish to stir me by having me recall the story of my life. Very well. It's been a while since I'd even thought of my lost home, so it might do me well to remember it out loud. It lowered its massive ruin of a head level with my suspended body. I came from a world of dancing webs, where souls stumble over their skin and find eternity in a prison of crawling, undying flesh. 